The year is 1998. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. My Marvel This Year is the podcast and reading club where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We have covered 1961 through 1997, which is basically, basically all of pre-modern Marvel Comics. Okay, today in 1998 part one, this is the perfect jumping on point. We're going to start 1998 part one. The comics that we're reading are included in the show notes. I am joined today by one very special guest and one co-host, and I'm very excited to get get this 1998 part one rolling because we are finally, finally in modern Marvel, okay? Now, joining me on one end of the line, she lives in a medieval alternate reality that she has brought us to, all of us, that she welcomes us to daily, and that alternate reality is known as France. Charlotte, how's it going? Hello, vive, vive la my marvelous year. I've decided to, in, in, in homage to these comics, I've decided to speak broken French today. Uh, so that should be fun for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, I assume that's the most we're getting from Marvel Comics. And on the other end of the line, we have a very special guest, a very, very special guest. And I repeat that just, you know, just as a little, a little sugar on top, a little sprinkle on top to make them feel a little even. rudeness on top. Wow! Wow! Yep. Doesn't enjoy being praised. I guess. I guess maybe just a, a regular old <laughs> guest. Pe- then it's going to be a lot of people's first episode, and they're going to be fooled by this. And it's going to be weeks of them being. Oh, I thought Zach was just a guest. He's on the show a lot for a guest. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the thing, though. Is like I I do I am starting to think you're here a lot for a guest. <laughs> like I am. <laughs> it has occurred to me recently that like I don't know. Like like at what point are you a permanent resident? Right? You know. I love that that describes exactly how I joined the show. <laughs> but no, we'll say it's, it's, it's Zach's place in the, in the show. There's something where a lot of people are going to think that we're just ripping off the on cinema at the cinema joke. But I can assure you Dave has not seen that. <laughs> yeah, seen every, that every time you bring it up, I, I'm bring up that I, I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Tim, um, Tim Heidecker has a, a movie review show on YouTube and he has one guest, quote unquote guest, on every episode but it's a point of contention that he will not introduce him as the co-host, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just it's well, it's funnier there. I feel like I feel there. like it makes here, you here feel better there, to point funny. out that someone else has has done a joke version of this before, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like if that off. if that helps you, that's fine. I, I just want to be clear: like this is not a joke. Like it's <laughs> yeah, like, I know. <laughs> this is your status. Uh, and honestly, thank, I do want to thank you now. I do want to thank you because I did not have. In all of that stalling, I could not think of a single comics-related way to introduce you. So, welcome to the show, Zach Dean. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Um, I'm going to pivot us right away. You said that 1998 is the beginning of modern Marvel. Says who? Some schmucks over at Comic Book Herald? I Who who says this, Dave? We do need where, to where take it up. From? We do need to take it up with Comic Book Herald for an outsized influence on vast numbers of readers' perspective on Marvel Comics. You know, mm-hmm. no, I, like, I agree with this. <laughs> like who gave them the right? Who gave them the right to sell as many copies of Paul Jenkins and Jai Lee's Inhumans mm-hmm. <laughs> as they it, most certainly have? Who okay, so the, you're, you're goofing around. But, you know, on Comic Book Herald, there's uh, you have your like reading order that starts in what, like in 1998. Uh, and it starts out with Inhumans and then Deadpool and then Black Panther by Christopher Priest. My experience in the slack and this is my own personal experience as well. It's a lot of people have read The Inhumans, Deadpool from 1998, Christopher Christopher Priest, 
Christopher Pieces. Christopher <laughs> Priest's Pieces. Black Panther. Christopher uh, Pieces Black Panther was way too <laughs> fragmented for me. It did it did not coalesce. Well, there was no fighting. It was so peaceful. <laughs> stupid, stupid joke. I'm sorry. Oh come on! Anyway, I, uh, I get to do a dumb one, and Charlotte laughs, and then Zach does one, and, and we get a boo. That, that seems me, that yeah. seems harsh even to me. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of people have read. I I bet you know over on Marvel Unlimited, they could see there's a weird spike around Paul Jenkins and humans in 1998. Uh, just just in general, that that comic gets read just a little bit more than they would expect for other 1998 comics because it's the first the first on your modern reading Marvel list yeah they call it the cbh boost um over at marvel <laughs> the CBH it's, it's it's a well-known yeah, it's a well-known phenomena over there yeah no so like th- that's when i started comic book herald you know one of the initial endeavors was to make a modern marvel reading order and i started i don't know how i quite came to it i think it was like i read some of onslaught and i was like oh boy <laughs> and then it was like i guess this is kind of a break and it is because you know so if you're coming to us fresh welcome first of all uh, second off, you know, 1996, we had a big onslaught mega event in the Marvel Universe, okay? Do you need to know it? Not really, but it did basically break the Marvel Universe in two, essentially, in that a bunch of heroes ran into Onslaught's belly and were t- uh, um, sent to a alternate reality, essentially, a pocket <laughs> to dimension. To his belly. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Yeah, Onslaught <laughs> am I wrong? boarded the Marvel Universe, basically. And <laughs> yeah, 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 he, he vored him up. And uh, they went to a pocket dimension mm, by Franklin Man, Richards. New perspective on Onslaught. Right? And uh, and that's where they were for Heroes Return, which is 1997, and or rather for Heroes Reborn. I, the names the names are actually dumb when you think about them in terms of like, wait, what does this mean? <laughs> like, what is, why are they reborn? Um, they poke fun at that in some of these comics. Long story short, everybody's back in 1998. It's clearly a reset for the Marvel Universe. It's also a reset for the publisher. You know, Marvel, the, the past few years for Marvel Comics as a publisher, as a business, were incredibly rocky, including the much-ballyhooed declaration of bankruptcy in 1996. There's all sorts of ownership changes and all sorts of wildness going on. In 1998, Toy Biz acquires them and basically paves a road for them to financially sort of come out of the doldrums. You could have, get this, you could have bought, when Marvel bounced back, and was acquired by Toy Biz, you could have bought a Marvel stock for $7 a share. Wow. Um, which, if you did at the time, and you were like, I got a good feeling, I got a good feeling about these Marvel fellas, uh, you, man, I'd, I'd write me a note and, and sign it and make it a check, not a note, please. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that they're, they're coming out of that, and they're reestablishing themselves as a publisher, right? And, and kind of what it means to produce marvel comics so it is truly a sea change kind of year uh and that's why the comic herald modern marvel reading order or really just marvel reading order you know more or less starts in 1998 um now today the comics we're talking about are all part of the heroes return and so these are the heroes who ran into onslaught's belly they all come back to earth 616 proper uh these are stories about their return it's going to be avengers iron man fantastic four captain america and Thor, we read the first three issues of each today uh, to get a feel for things. Again, if you want to read along with us, the issues are listed in the show notes, okay? Every episode, uh, all the issues and the upcoming issues are listed in the show notes. You can also find everything we're going to be reading in a spreadsheet uh, that we we make available to everyone who backs us over at patreon.com slash mymarvelous. Just year. a buck a month. For a dollar a month, you get access to the yeah. spreadsheet. Um, and, but again, like you don't, you do not have to pay. Absolutely. We want you to read along even if you're not, but if you want to, and you want to support the show, you can do it at patreon.com slash my marvelous year, uh, or just rate and review the show on iTunes. All that is super appreciated. Okay. Zach, Charlotte. First thing I want to talk about is one thing I'm looking for as we finally enter the modern era is I'm looking for feedback. I'm looking for notes. I'm looking for helping hands. I'm looking criticism. For, I'm looking for nope, <laughs> definitely not, definitely not that. Um, I'm looking for some help criticism. on on the CVH uh, reading orders. One piece of criticism that has come up the most, I think, over the years, is my approach to jumping into Marvel skips the Heroes Return side of things, more or less, with the exception of Avengers. I generally leave out a lot of the Heroes Return stuff, and the reason I did that when I put this together initially was like, 
I wanted people excited <laughs> about reading Marvel Comics as I was excited reading Marvel Comics. And for me, that comes in Marvel Knights. Um, and that's that's something that happens this year that we're going to get into as our coverage progresses. That's actually going to be the last episode of 1998, part four. Okay, we're going to cover some Marvel Knights stuff. So I skip most of Heroes Return. And I think a lot of folks have, especially the completists among the bunch. And I am a completist of sorts, you know, but the, the super uber completists, they often are like, hey, you skipped all of Heroes Return. These are big characters. We should read all this stuff too. Having read 15 issues of this across a variety <laughs> of characters, yeah. Yeah. how do you all feel about that decision? Oh, wow. Coward's Way Out throws it to us. What do you, um, what do you think? What, do you, what would you yeah. tell these critics? Uh, I think these are... Okay, if you're in 1998 and you hear that Marvel is revamping everything with new number ones and you're like... Man, I haven't read any Avengers in a long time or any Thor in a long time, but I used to like that comic. Let me let me check out what this is about. This seems like a good jumping on place. You could do a lot worse. Like, they're good jumping on points. They're good kind of resets. They are, we're going to talk about how positive this is, but it is kind of a meat and potatoes version of each comic, I think. And uh, And I think it's a good place to jump on. If you are totally disconnected from Marvel Comics, or if you just have never read Marvel Comics, right? If you're just like, what's this Captain America guy all about? I, I think all of these work as a onboarding point for people. Yeah. But I don't think any of them are that good. <laughs> I think they're all, like, really good-looking comics. I think they're all drawn really well. I think they're written competently, and I think they're all just a little boring. I think they're all a little too stuck in the past, just kind of reheating stuff we've seen before not moving anything forward, bringing really nothing new to the table. So, like, meat and potatoes in, like, one of the most, like, boring, unsalted uh, meat and potato dishes you've ever had. <laughs> no salt, even. <laughs> yeah. No salt. That's maybe a horrible a dish. <laughs> a little salt, maybe no pepper. Okay. Okay, that's better. That's better. And the Charlotte... salt being the art, which is good. Uniformly, I think the art is good to maybe great on some of these. So... Yeah, we should talk about that, because I, yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, what do you think? I mostly agree, like... It's I, I haven't read uh, the Marvel Knights stuff, but from my from what I understand, it's nowhere near as good. I mean, this is nowhere near as good as Marvel Knights. Um, but yeah, the like like Zach said, the good meat and potatoes, like basic superhero comics. I do think like even though they continue some plot threads, like from previous like the end of their previous runs, especially Captain America. Um, they're very good at like being number one issues and giving a mission statement for what the the title is going to be. Like they are just like what we will say. We what we'll see a lot in the 2010s is like number ones that are actually number 37, <laughs> but uh, disguised as a number one. And I don't think those are it. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like the writers thought of those as number one issues, and I think they succeed as that. Like they. Most of them I'd be willing to read further, like I'd be curious in a way that I haven't been in years for like any Avengers or Fantastic Four or Captain America. Or, well, Captain America maybe, but Iron Man, you know? Um, yeah, I think they're quite good. Like you said, the art is, I think, very good for 1998, especially like compared to some of the stuff we've seen in this. Like, I, I don't remember really liking the art from Onslaught or stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think it's overall pretty good. I. We'll talk about it again in a few weeks, but I, I, I will probably think that Marvel Knights makes more sense as like the best comics of the era. But this does feel, especially like you said, like for 1998, if you're like if you were reading those when they came out, they would be the a very good jumping off point um, in a way that succeed like future uh, relaunches of Marvel will not be. I think I, I think I agree. With, well, clearly I agree with both of you, right? I, I left these comics out of the guide. Um, I, I think by contrast to where we were, right? If you've been doing the My Marvelous Year Club through, you know, for the whole ride or just through the 90s, it's a clear reaction. It's a clear reaction and a reset compared to the progression of the 90s. And the progression of the 90s, especially for these characters, for the non-X-Men, for the non-Spider-Man the non, uh, you know, cool characters, <laughs> right? Punisher, Ghost Rider, etc. For Avengers, for Cap, for Thor, it's a it's a pretty desperate, increasingly desperate effort to make them cool, right? To to get them to fit the era. And what 1998 finally does, 
as they bounce back from in this hero's return is they just say, you know what? We liked them the way they were, <laughs> basically. Um, and they get creative teams that are solid to good, sometimes even great together in the case of Kurt yeah. Busiak and George Perez. And and they say, um, hey, like, what's your vision for these characters, uh, you know, kind of as they were with a healthy respect for the glory days, if you will. Now, two of the writers involved here, heavily involved here, are like maybe the two foremost names that I think of when I think of creators that love, that just love the history of comics. And that's Kurt Busiak and Mark Wade. Like they love superhero comics. It is in virtually everything they do. They uh, have a, a deep, clear knowledge of the medium, um, starting as fans, I think, a lot of times, right? And Yeah, that really shows, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Especially in, in, in the Busiak Avenger stuff. Um, but it's just like that, that ethos, I actually think, is generally more appealing to fans um, who've been around the block, right? Who've been there. So I think by contrast to where we were, it is kind of like that breath of like, oh, okay, we're back. Like, okay, like this is this is kind of what I knew. It's a reset. Again, like in 1998, this is only the third reset with a number one. You know, this is, this is volume three for most of these. And it's only volume three coming off of volume two, which lasted for literally one year, right? Like volume one of all of these books lasts from the 60s until 1996, you know? So this is really like the first non- Heroes Reborn, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld-led spectacle kind of like genuine reboot of like, here's what Marvel continuity is going to be. It's not actually a reboot because it's still referencing Onslaught. It's still yeah, referencing well, everything also nothing. Happened. Yeah, right. It's not like uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths for DC where like, no. oh, we can really just start them over and like, here's Superman's origin. Here's Wonder Woman's origin. Like, we're really resetting these characters. We're going to tweak things. This is just, you know, like, here's a good spot to jump in <laughs> and well you know, it's it, a bit is. it's a bit more than that though i mean the number one issues they do some origin recap stuff um they're not like yeah they're not batman year one retellings of origins by any measure but they're kind of retelling or playing off of the character's origins you know like fantastic four number one here is opening with the mole man right and it's playing off the mole man which is the the first villain in the fantastic four like there's a yeah. there's a healthy dose of like where did we come from um, and kind of reminding readers and potentially telling audiences for the first time. I, the biggest thing to me, though, is Zach's point, which is... Oh, thank you. They, Yeah, absolutely. Is like they're just, they're incredibly solid to the point of very little interesting <laughs> happening, you know? Um, there's, such, there's such effort taken to sort of get back to what we were that there's very little here that is like truly exciting um again beyond if you were kind of imagining like okay if i was a reader in 1998 this might have been incredibly refreshing um or even if you would just been going through the club i don't know but i but i do agree with both your points that i think the the star of all of this is how good these comics look um by comparison like this is it, if if i'm talking about this as kind of a the start of a modern era it is that visually as well because this is when Marvel starts to really begin understanding like color <laughs> and digital technique that we associate with kind of what comics of the 2000s look like. Um, I think the colorist on a lot of this is like a it's a it's liquid exclamation it's point. You know, it's a yeah. unit. Yeah. Um, so it's like they all kind of come from a similar packaging, and the books just look cleaner uh, and and again more familiar of what we think about when we think about 2000s comics than anything prior to this point now you lose some energy potentially in that but like sean chan on iron man very good george perez on avengers great i mean truly outstanding ron garney on cap pretty good john Romita jr on thor pretty good uh and then you got alan davis on fantastic four like they came to Which play I really like. with these lineups. I, I think even compared to what he's done before i really like his uh fantastic four the way he draws the thing big splash pages and the coloring on that really helps yeah yeah, he's like he's been he's been doing stuff since the early '80s, I think. But like his style fits perfectly in that new modern style of Marvel. Yeah. Like, they, like we talked about being kind of cartoony, but also kind of realistic. Like that be, being very l full of life, I guess, and that he fits perfectly into that. Yeah. Like he more than I've enjoyed his Excalibur stuff, for example. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing that is is consistent among all these artists is none of them are image revolution artists. You know, like this is this is kind of a declaration and and clearly a response to okay, if Heroes Reborn was Marvel saying image one, we don't know how to do this <laughs> and and get audiences anymore. Uh, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, come save us, right? Which it is to a degree, and obviously that fell apart fairly quickly. Um, this is them saying, actually, I think we do know how to do this. Uh, let's let's get people who have their own style and stuff that looks like Marvel Comics kind of used to, um, including artists who have done it and defined that in the 80s, like Alan Davis and John Romita Jr. Um, and then, obviously, George Perez uh, has, a, has a long history going back to he was on Avengers in the late 70s and then, of course, all his DC work, you know, Teen Titan, uh, Wonder Woman, and on and on and on. And then with Iron Man, you get Sean Chen, an artist who I didn't know to this point, but who has a much cleaner style, you know, and, and everything just looks quite nice. Perez, um, Perez really surprised me here because I'm really familiar with his stuff, both in, you know, like we've seen his Thanos stuff. We've seen uh, oh, yeah. Crisis. I've, I've read Crisis on Infinite Earths, his Wonder Woman run at the end of the 80s. I'm really familiar with. We've seen his earlier, like you said, Avengers stuff. So I like really thought I knew what to expect. And his style has really evolved, even in the like eight or so years since Wonder Woman. Um, like there's way more than a little Steve Dillon to this, to the way he draws faces now, mm. which did not used to be the case. He's got those kind of strange, like sneering lips and, uh, like the, the way he draws people is very like, like he is not drawing, um, not every character is a supermodel, right? Like people kind of get plain faces, which is, which is an interesting change for, not, not that he always used to do that, but, uh, yeah, there, there's something about the way he draws faces now that has definitely evolved you know who is um, a supermodel every time george perez draws them mm. scarlet witch like the, mm, okay, the script well. will say draw super normal wanda and george perez will draw heaving panting sweating wanda <laughs> just like completely completely <laughs> sounds, unveiled sounds like she's and, sick Oh, that's like my that's my kink. Like let let's just let's dive into it. If this is your first episode, no. we talk kinks a lot on here and uh very sick people. I, I like is a woman with a a low grade fever. <laughs> if she needs a washcloth on her head, I am here, baby. I've got washcloths. Yeah, Dave has had a very interesting COVID year. <laughs> I just well, read in NPR that a lot of people left COVID with now the COVID years with Munchauser, Munchausen by proxy. So uh, as, a, as a new kink. Wow. Like, no, the, no do, do, you, do you think, do you think we are hanging with you through Munchausen by proxy? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're <laughs> keeping me on the podcast is just uh, caring for a sick child. Scientific uh, that's, that's expert. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's great. It's great. Uh, I love it. It's fantastic stuff. I mean, so let's start. There. I didn't. Let's, I didn't particularly notice that, but I take your word for it. Let Let's just say I notice a lot of things. Um. <laughs> oh, I am looking at the. Let's cover. just leave she, it there. Yeah, she gets a lot of uh, uh, page room on the. Uh, George the loves Wanda. I think room. he also does that cover where she has like ants crawling all over her in the late seventies. Oh um, yeah, that's very kinky. Yeah. 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 Um. My my second kink is ants. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bugs. And if those ants are just a little sick, oh, oh baby. my gosh! Don't get me started. Don't get me started. All right, let's start on Avengers. Let's actually talk about the books. Um, Avengers is Kurt Busiek, George Perez. We got uh, inks by Alve. Colors here are I don't know if this is liquid. Uh, I think it it might not be. Tom Smith maybe. Um, letters by Richard Starkings and Comic Craft. We got edits here by Tom Brevoort who is still a bigwig managing editor at Marvel Comics. Avengers is my favorite book of this bunch. Um, it's definitely the one that is the most well-beloved, I think, amongst fandom. Uh, this one, you know, if we're talking about, like, restoring what things used to be and kind of, you know, refreshing the history of, of Marvel superheroes, like, the first three issues of Avengers are so overtly and textually about that. <laughs> to the point of it not being a very good story. Like, I don't I don't think these <laughs> yeah, three issues yeah. are... Like, if you love... And I know some people do. If you love Avengers roster stuff, like, dig in, Which baby. I do. Dig I in. I do like the roster stuff. That stuff's very fun to me. That's what this is, right? It's just who has been... It's like literally everyone who's ever been an Avenger gets pulled into a medieval alternate reality with Morgan Le Fay 
in A Bid for Power, in which he uses the Twilight Sword and Wanda and Scarlet Witch. Um, and you get to see all of the Avengers throughout history dressed up in little knight armor and uh, and then kind of re-solidifying and getting the franchise back together, you know, like and getting the band back together and deciding who's actually going to be on the team. The thing that makes these three issues tell you that, like, oh, this run's going to be good is one Busiak's clear just like love of the love of the characters to the point of it being almost tedious and uh and then the second thing is just George Perez is just knocking it out of the ballpark um at least for me what what do you both think of Avengers Charlie you can go first I think George um could be sick needs to stop bullying my boy D-Man <laughs> <laughs> why, why why so mean what what's your problem with the D-Man no I I think those were very fun ish I mean I really like the roster stuff, like assembling all the Avengers, like all, what, 50 of them, and uh, the stuff with all them assembled in, um, in, one, in one room, bouncing off of each other, like Spider-Man saying, yeah, this is all cool, but I, I got to st- deal with uh, what's going on in my three different books right now, yeah. so see ya. <laughs> like, that's, that's some fun Marvel Universe stuff, uh, which I really like. I didn't really care for the Morgan Le Fay, Mordred stuff. Like that's that felt like the weaker part of the book for me. But I'm interested in where they go next and like what what's the actual roster that comes out of that, if there is one. Like I'd be interested in a every Avenger is an Avenger and like it changes every issue. Or like yeah. you see it you see them, you see uh, the original team in one issue and then like more nineties. Like that's that sounds fun to me. Um which I will see. We'll see where they go. Uh, yeah, I think the like the mission statement of what this Avengers book is interesting to me. The actual story of those three issues uh, and the villains and all that that felt kind of basic Avengers stuff and not that interesting. But yeah, yeah I, I think like George Perez really elevates it, and the the mission statement is interesting to me. Well, elevating it is a good point because I I think if all of these had average art, like all these comics had average art, I think this would yeah. all be totally you know forgettable and no one would pay attention to these comics yep um which you know because comic art is a big part of it but like i don't think the story is strong enough to pull through on so-so art right like it kind of needs this great art to even be of interest and and i agree i i like the first issue of the avengers the most where it's just kind of everyone getting together everyone's in a room together you get like lots of funny little dynamics bouncing off each other um like reminding you that the sandman was an Avenger, and he's here, too, to help. <laughs> I like Barra. that. Del Barra. Uh, Shouts yeah, to Larry right, Like uh, Making fun of D-Man. <laughs> and then Namor, like, saying, like, well, maybe he's an X-Men. They're, they'll, they'll let anyone in. Something like that. Like, <laughs> lots of little jokes. Like the that. panel where you see, like, everyone seated in the room, and, like, there's, like, ten, ten seats that are empty all around D-Man because no one wants to sit next to him. That's very mean, but that's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a very funny visual guy. Also, I think. Namor's but, line about the X-Men letting anyone in. Very true in the MCU these yep. days. Let's get started on that. I don't. Oh, I don't know what you Wait. mean. Oh, Zach, get with the times. Get with the, get with the social, Zach. <laughs> Zach hasn't. You're too off Twitter. Yeah. All right, carry on. Yeah, carry not, on with I'm Avengers. Not caught up with what I'm, <laughs> the only thing I couldn't be caught up with. So. Um, the yeah. So I, I agree, and it, it is funny because it is balanced. My love of Avengers roster stuff. I love those issues with my absolute apathy towards anything having to do with, like, Morgan Le Fay and uh, Excalibur and, uh, what's his, I can't even remember his name. Who, who's the... Mordred is your son. Mordred. No, the superhero who's involved with all that stuff. Uh, Black Knight? The, Captain Britain? Yes, Captain Britain, yeah. Like, all that stuff is, it's, it's one of the most, like, boring corners of Marvel to me. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's two things, one great taste and one horrible taste mixed together to make one average taste. I think that's how tastes work. Um, but yeah, they, yep. they look great. Thank you, chef. Like, but, but by the second or third issue, I was just kind of skimming through because uh, I don't know. It was fun to see everyone's like new costumes uh, and everyone's names. Like he does a good job renaming everybody with fun little, uh, you know, like Yeoman America. I like is Captain America. Um, U.S. Agent is Liege Man, <laughs> Liege Man, and uh, yeah, lots lots of funny little jokes. But besides that. It's a adventure stuff. It's a solid. I think Charlotte put it best. It's a good mission statement. It's a good mission statement, and it happens to look great because George Perez is, like you said, like I mean, at this point, you know, thirty year, no, not thirty, twenty plus years into a great career, 
and still evolving, right? And still finding ways to yeah. to make things look good, which is super cool. Like I, I love that in an artist when they when they don't just fall, yeah. like because that's like like he's, I think John Romita Jr. comes under flack for this a lot, and like he's he's in this issue as well. Like I don't, I think that's an artist who hasn't changed a heck of a lot, um, you know, for like decades now. <laughs> like George, if anything, like you know, I like his stuff in Thor quite a bit. But it's like, not a knock on style. disliking it now. It's more like yeah. now in 2022, seeing the same things. And I'm like, well, this hasn't changed. But yet, his you know? his Thor looks, it's like he, he's cleaned up a little bit, I think, for the worse, right? Like compared to his stuff he was doing with Innocenti on Daredevil. Like, I think I like that. I like his X Men like, and his Daredevil way more. Yeah, than like this, he's got yeah. a little bit of like a scrappiness to that stuff that works. Um, and a weirdness, frankly. You yeah. know, a strangeness. Yeah, yeah. Although his, his Thor is very good. Like, I liked his Thor quite a bit. It's not a knock on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, back to Avengers. Uh, I, I yeah. do also want to point out so, like, Kurt Busiak's writing this, and then he's writing Iron Man. I don't, I don't know that a lot of readers today would quite realize, like, if you came to comics later, which I did, um, and, and maybe both of you as well, like, like, Kirby Sack's literally the hottest writer in comics at this point in time. Um, I, I think a lot of readers might not recognize that. That, <laughs> like, in 1998, this is, like, I guess this would be, like, Marvel saying, like, hey, Jonathan Hickman's writing Avengers again. Or um, Grant Morrison's coming to do Avengers, right? Like, one of the biggest, hottest names in the medium uh, doing it. Because Busiak's Astro City, you know, so there's Marvels in 1994, right, with Alex Ross, which we loved. Then Astro City launches in 1995. Astro City won Eisner's three years in a row, like 96 through 98. Busiak himself won Eisner's in like 98, 99 uh, for like, you know, various awards. And then also like he's winning like Comics Buyer's Guide, like fan favorite writer and these sorts of things. Like Busiak is incredibly hot right now. So um, hot. Oh gosh, he's hot. And he's can't, so... You can't stop talking about how hot he is. Just like the hottest. And he's really You busy. have said that he's... So hot about four times in the last minute. <laughs> Listen, when you're hot, you're hot. And somebody's got to say it. And I'm saying it about Kurt Busiak <laughs> so in 1998. So just taking notes, Kurt Busiek, Seek, and Crawled Over by Ants. Just, uh, just this is where we're at right now. Sorry, just, just to... I, I'm skimming through Avengers number two, I think, right now. And Scarlet Witch is all wrapped up in, uh, in like, stony tentacles here. And... Uh, so yes, more more proof for uh, what Dave's saying. I, I don't need I don't need backup on that. I'm confident in my beliefs, but <laughs> but thank I just you. like now that now that you say that, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, yes, very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's noticeable. Oh my god, I'll, I like his. I'll get to I like, later. Of course, it does. I really like George <laughs> Perez's Wonder Man. Like they they bring back Wonder Man in like a Kirby crackle energy. Like he's not f- quite f- like. Physical, you can retouch mm-hmm. him. It feels like he's made of energy, and he looks really good. I think. I I I wish I, he would do more like cosmic stuff like that, which you don't really see a lot of with the Avalon, uh, Mordred, uh, Morgan Le Fay stuff. So maybe maybe we'll see much more of that later. But yeah, his uh, his Kirby Crackle style uh, Wonder Man is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a la Infinity Gauntlet as well, right? We've seen Perez. We've seen Perez own the stars Ooh, yeah, before. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess actually you bring up a good point. That is the plot. That is the one plot detail here that is the biggest thing is, <laughs> ironically, the resurrection of Wonder Man. Somehow. Uh, Wonder Man died in 1994's Force Works. We read that issue. I don't remember him dying. <laughs> well, we read the issue, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did I think we? it's the first yeah. issue. Um, yeah, so he's been dead since then. Uh, and Kurt, Kurt did notice. Uh, so he brings Simon back here through the power of cosmic energy the twilight sword and his love for wanda which is definitely going that is a that's a thread that will continue throughout this event i kind of like that thread too that was a thread i liked back in um west coast avengers the uh you know like wonder man loving scarlet witch while the, also like sharing vision's brain yeah yeah uh, the simon yeah. wanda vision stuff um is actually interesting at times uh yeah, that yeah, said yeah. i think wonder man's my least favorite avenger um I like Dean Man more. That's crazy. I could list off like six right now who you'd be like, yeah. who are they? I don't even know who that person is. You could not list six Avengers that I don't know. I dare you. Go. All right. What about Demolition Man? <laughs> Good try. <laughs> okay. Who? Uh, uh, generally, can you tell me who Ma- Ma- Madeline yeah, is? Madeline, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Right. There's one. There's one. Uh, Firebird? Is Firebird the same as Firestar? Oh, you t- wait, are we talking about Bonita Juarez? Nope. 
probably she was in West yeah, Coast yeah, Avengers. I, I know Angelica Benita. Jones. I know Benita. She... No, no, it's Angelica Jones. Okay. Fire, Angelica Jones Fire is Firestar. Oh, it's Firestar. Okay. Yeah. What about a little someone named Rage? Give me that Larry Hama Avengers. Give me that Larry yeah. Hama Avengers and show me Elvin talking to Captain America. That's oh, what I wow. Good job. Okay. He's got it. Je- ladies and gentlemen, he's not a funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No. And, and clearly, Kurt Busiak is not either. Right? Like, if, if, if proving your fandom is of merit in a comic, and I would argue it is not. <laughs> Which it's not. Can I, like, really, really, really assert to every comic writer out there? It's not. Yeah, as yeah. much as uh, some nerds want to tell you otherwise. Like, let's be clear. It's actually very tedious and not fun to read. Um, but he proves it. <laughs> yeah. He definitely proves it. Okay. Uh, this series will go on to be much better. Uh, this is this is a mission statement, and it's uh, it's an effective one, I think. Um, which, ironically, like, as I'm criticizing that, it's also my favorite three issues of this bunch. I guess in part because I know it's going to stay good, you know, or, or get better. Um, let, let's talk next about Busiak on Iron Man with Sean Chen. <sighs> I always want to like this book more, and I just don't. Um, the The premise essentially is like, okay, Tony Stark comes back to 616 like everyone's doing here, and Stark Industries is, at this point, has been um, like subsumed by, I forget, it's like Fuka, Fukujawa Industries, Fuji, Fujikawa Industries. Like, it's basically, it's become like a conglomerate. He doesn't have sole ownership anymore. Um, he starts his own consulting firm. Which is basically like, I, Tony Stark, will solve your problems. Which is actually a pretty interesting premise. Um, and it's kind of just trying to do like, Tony's James Bond and Iron Man is Iron Man. You know? Um, that's kind of the mm, premise. <laughs> Iron Man is Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not, it's it's real meat and potatoes, I think, to Zach's point. Yeah, I think, I Sean, could, I think I Sean Chen is great here. on this. I, I really yeah. like Sean Chen's work. Um, I think one thing that happens here a lot and you notice it more in the books that I don't like, or I notice it more in the books that I, I'm not as into. Good gravy, the style of dialogue and writing and just text dominating the page in this era is infuriating. Um, oh, yeah. It is so, much. so and heavy. It and you're like, I don't need this. I don't need this information. Like, this doesn't do anything. It's not fleshing out the world. It's not fun to read. It's like exposition, but not for information that does like serves no purpose it's really frustrating this is um, peak yeah go ahead Charlie. go ahead it's it's it is the first time they're using caption boxes to replace thought bubbles i think like as far as i'm aware oh, like the dc style yeah yeah and oh boy do they use it <laughs> there's a, a lot of caption bo- caption boxes to to give iron man's thoughts and at any moment um yeah it's it's interesting. It, it helps the comic feel more modern than it probably actually is. But like, to me, feeling like it's the first time I see a, what is to me a very modern thing in the MMY uh, reading club. That's it was interesting. Oh, just going back to Thor, the same thing happens with like Thor's font. It's the first time the Asgardians uh, speak in a very specific font that isn't the same for the other characters. And, like, that's not been a thing at all before now, but that's the thing I know from later, like, modern comics. And interesting to, to know that it cool. uh, starts here. Um, yeah, I don't... I, I kind of like with Avengers, I like the mission statements of Tony Stark. Basically, he feels guilty because he ruined some kind of, I don't know, construction projects that was going to help maybe low rent housing something like that I, I don't I can remember specifically what it was but like he feels guilty and he wants to to give back and help people more so basically he starts his consulting firm and all the money he gets from that goes to the Maya Stark Foundation to to actually help people that's like that's an inter- interesting idea but what they do with it is basically basic superhero stuff like we've seen a thousand times before with iron man that part of it is and he's still fighting a lot of like fine they're just you know he's just fighting robots and <laughs> blasted bad guys did yeah this, did this series really make you want to read another a single continuing issue in this run no 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 no, no. i i don't even know if i like this i i fully would have pushed to six issues like just to be curious if the like, the central, like I said, mission statement, that's what I'm, I'm going to say a lot in this episode. Um, like, if they pick back up on that, if it just keeps going in the basic superhero stuff, I don't think I would keep going. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I think the only one of these 
five series that I would read maybe more of is The Avengers. And even that's kind of like, well, if it gets away from the uh, Morgan Le Fay stuff and it turns, like, whenever they select the team in the next issue, if that turns into, like, an interesting team. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know what the actual team's going to be because right now it's way too big. Like, there's a lot of ifs <laughs> attached to that, but that's the only one that I really want to continue here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm generally the same. I, I would have actually thought, so the next series is Captain America Volume 3. It's the return of Mark Wade and Ron Garney on the title. We got inks by Bob Wycheck, colors by Joe Roses and Digital Chameleon. Um, Wade and Garney had a really good run before Heroes Reborn. Like, that was clearly one of the better Marvel comics at that time. I think they go for, like, you know, 12-ish issues. And then Heroes Reborn hits and, and Cap is given over to Rob Liefeld. They come back to do it here. And the magic's gone a little bit. The magic isn't where it was. Um, I I like, I guess, sort of the Marvel Universe Acts of Vengeance style oddity of Lady Deathstrike being involved in the first issue. Like the Cap Lady Deathstrike fights look really good in this first. They're comic. the only good fights. Just just to be clear, it's the only good fights in this whole batch. In this whole thing, yeah. right? Um, some some really like the rest yeah. of the fights here are all just like let's you know line as many action figures up on the page. Yeah, which shout, shouts to Ron Garney. I think he gets cap action quite well. Um, but but aside from that, like I don't. There's not as much of a hook as the previous. They're trying to do a thing. Wade's trying to do a thing of, in the first issue at least, of Captain America recognizing and then responding to Western cultural imprint in Japan. But that's only for one issue, and then it's done. And there's no real it's, lesson learned or real. response. I mean, it's, it's so dicey. Confused. Yeah. Like, it, it is not... Like, because Captain America... Yeah, there's terrorists who are upset about the Americanization of Japan. And then Captain America stops them and he's like, not that I disagree with you. Punch, punch, punch. And then he, like... <laughs> he sees some Captain America action figures being so, and He's like, no, this is not... This isn't what Captain America stands for. He's not meant to be commodified and sold. But then, like... At the same time, the comic, you know, four pages in, when Captain America shows up to stop the terrorists, he's literally, like, holding a torch like the Statue of Liberty, right? So, like, it, it's really mixed up, you know, like, the Captain America in-universe versus the Captain America of the comic, you know, like, the, the uh, like, meta idea of Captain America that we're reading in a comic book. Like, these things don't align. Like, an interesting comic could draw a parallel between how he's seen you know, as us in the real world versus how he's seen in the comic. And, like, it's it's a total mess, right? It's clashing with itself all over the place. And so kind of saying nothing uh, in the end, which is too bad because I agree there's there could be something there, but I don't think there is. Yeah. And, and then it just vanishes. And that's right. the thing that yeah. Wade and Garney did well in their, their original run um, was just at least being like, hey, there's a theme and there's a point and we're asking some questions, right? And, and also, like, we're super leaning into the Americanisms of Cap, you know, like there's obviously there's famously the scenes of Cap meeting with Bill Clinton in the Oval Office <laughs> and like talking about what comes next. Um, so they're not afraid of that stuff. But the balance is, OK, is this jingoistic and hokey and Cap holding the torch, denouncing the Japanese, um, you know, I guess he calls them terrorists, right, uh, is is not good. <laughs> It didn't, it didn't work super well for me. Well, Charlotte, what did you think? guns and we're like waving them around. I think I think it's okay to punch them. No, no, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying don't stop them. I just think that moment is meant to feel like heck yeah, heroic and I just found it kind of hokey. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially as like he the panel that precedes that is them about to burn the American flag and he comes in at that moment saying, "Oh no, you don't," which is like <laughs> yeah, Kind of weird, like maybe you should be more concerned about the people they're punching guns at, but okay, yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the the Japan stuff, like wait, what's what Wade's trying to say about the American influence in Japan and the world? Like, I don't know what he's trying to say. I don't think he does either. Like that's it's kind of messy, confused. Um, but I like these. This is the inverse of Iron Man where I like the superheroic stuff. I like whatever's going on with Hydra and their bananas bonkers uh, new yeah. supreme leader who just doesn't care about anything and cuts off his uh, his henchman's arm. He like Oh yeah, he's got a he weird like, an like manic manic vibe to him. Uh that that's pretty fun. I forgot about Yeah, that. he has a weird arcade Joker vibe which I kind of dig for Hydra. That's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah um yeah, he made me want he 
this is the only series where I read issue four, just because issue three ends on a Batroc T, so I had to read issue four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that was kind of fun. Does it um, pay off? What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. It's, it it, it kind of does. It kind of does. It also pays off by not paying off at all uh, what... Uh, was it Jane? No, Mark Grunwald did with Batroc in his final Aww. issue of Captain America, where you feel like Batroc is maybe going to join the Avengers, and that's obviously not going to happen. Gosh, um, that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun Cap Batroc interaction. Yeah, I like what's going on with Hydra. I really like Garni's uh, Lady Deathstrike. Her long fingers are yeah, very creepy in, in a way that mouth. I don't think we've really seen. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Kind of some horrific stuff that I I really like that I really like Garni's arts. This might be my favorite arts of all the all of of all these issues, just because I feel like it marries itself very well with Mark Wade style and just Captain America as a whole. It's a very more cartoony than the other other artists we've seen in this episode, but it's yeah the, the colors really help. Very very bright vivid color. It really made me feel of like a '90s homage to those. Maybe not the the original Captain America comics of the 30s themselves, but like that vibe kind of in the colors. So yeah, I really really like the art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can see what you're saying. I don't think it hit me quite the same way, but I I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think if I think if Wade and Garney hadn't done a cap run prior, I actually would have been more excited about these three issues because it'd be like, oh, yeah. like these this is a good creative team. I wonder where they can take this. Um, but instead it feels kind of more to me like a kind of a flawed follow-up. Um, but I, I do yeah. agree. Ron Garney's Which quite is like, good on this They've book. also, yeah. Also like it's, I mean, the, the Japanese stuff doesn't have anything to do with that. Like th- their run has also been cut by the Heroes Reborn Return stuff. So like the original version of this will, would probably have been more, I don't know, worked mm. more as a whole. Whereas they they are not helped by the the, the situation uh, the character is in at this time. Yeah, I I think of all of these, this might be the one that I'm more willing to continue reading because I'm I'm interested in where they gotcha, go next. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that's good to hear. All right, so next up we had we have Thor and Fantastic Four. So let's finish with the Avengers lineup. So Thor is Dan Jurgens, John Romita Jr., Klaus Janssen inking, uh, Gregory Wright colors, letters by David Lanfear. Um Dan Jurgens famously. A big part of the death of Superman. Um, you may have heard of it. It was a big deal in 1993. Uh, has a, a lot of work at DC. I don't think we've done really any Dan Jurgens Marvel stuff to this point. Um, yeah, I don't think so. But obviously has a resume. And of course, John Romita Jr. We know as we talked about X-Men, Daredevil is awesome. Uh, Man Without Fear with Frank Miller, right? And of course, his dad, John Romita. Big part of the 60s Spidey, etc., etc. <sighs> I could not get into these issues of Thor. I really wanted to. Um, the The main thing they kind of do here is one: this is all sort of post Asgard being wrecked. You know, that's a that's a recurring phenomena <laughs> in Marvel comics. Um, the various states of disarray that Asgard finds itself in. Thor. The one thing they're kind of trying to bring back is like tying Thor to a person. You know, a la yeah, '60s so Don weird. Blake. Uh, they yeah. do it with a new character here. Um, I think it's Jake Olson is the name, and uh, I, I don't. We talked about this in the past. I don't like Walt Simonson does this a little bit with like Thor having like a human alter ego. I don't. But necess- that's just a secret identity. That's not like. Well, no, I know, man. but just like being on Earth and dealing with humans. Yes, it's just secret identity. It's not possessed a thing. And he also makes it way more fun with like his it's interaction with there. the. Yeah construction crew stuff like that like it's yeah it's fun it's kind of charming this is this is basically nothing they're they're telling him to kind of just another uh what was the name of the original human uh who he was tied to? Um. Uh, yeah the like kind of just a new donald blake except this time the guy is just dead and thor is taking over his life which, <laughs> which is kind of a weird yeah. decision um yeah it's it's really boring they they do the same thing with iron man or at least i don't know at this time, has Iron Man's identity still not been revealed? Because when they talk about the secret identity stuff in the Iron Man uh, issues, I was like, doesn't everyone know at this point? Are they still hiding that? That's very boring. And they've they've locked the identities <laughs> okay. back up, actually. Um, any, yeah. any looseness that may have occurred has been firmly locked back up because Tony is 100% doing the, 
that's just my bodyguard. What a coincidence. You know, like he's he's fully yeah, keeping it. Yeah, it's 1998, guys. We can I we promise can I promise um, we're getting there, yeah. but we're not there yet. Yeah. Um yeah, the thought I don't know, the General Mita's art is good, like General Mita is good, but he's not I don't know. I don't love him on Thor. I don't leave, love him on the Asgard stuff. The new character that like some kind of cosmic being, we don't know exactly what he is, but he is the one who who comes into Helheim when Thor dies and is like, okay, no, I'm I'm bringing you back to life and giving you uh, like this secret identity. He does the design does absolutely yeah. nothing to me. <laughs> it's a very yeah. weird design, and yeah. Um, I don't know. I I really don't have many thoughts on this, which is kind of disappointing because like these are supposed to to give a a brand new, like yeah, like I said many times, uh, direction for these comics, and I don't think this does a great job at doing it. So at least the the new direction feels very. It's all ground. He's just Thor, and with his secret identity, and that's basically it. The the main thing is. All Asgardians have disappeared, and he doesn't know what's happened to them. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's not that interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I don't know, kind of a big mess. Yeah, that will be done somebody that I do. I need someone to actually take him back to like meat and potatoes of Asgard stuff. It, it's it's kind of strange. I feel like we haven't we haven't had that in a, a heartbeat of like. Oh, you mean to to do with him what's uh, Walt Simonson? Oh yeah, did? I love that run, Walt Simonson. Yeah, especially first. <laughs> it's your time ch- it's your chance here. to start fresh, Zach. You yeah, can lie to everyone. Listeners, I love Walt <laughs> Simonson's run on Thor unequivocally. No complaints here. Ten out of ten. I mean, you like no, it. No, I do like you it. Like I, it. I it's, it. It's got ups and downs. Uh, oh my gosh, like, he said downs. Slander. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean he he definitely did that. So I mean that was but that was fifteen years ago at this point. I think something oh, like yeah. that. Uh, it's it just like the actual like mythological stuff having to do with Asgard. I think is something that like weirdly few marvel writers tap into like <laughs> really yeah. making it feel you know like a they have this whole fantasy aspect of marvel in the, this whole little corner of like fantasy that they can start doing stuff in and uh, and it feels like they don't use it yeah. too often i think thor here by jurgens and Romy jr is actually probably of this of the five the book that the mission statement is the biggest red herring because the mission statement is super flawed, but then the run actually will go on to do some fairly interesting stuff. Um, there are a lot of big fans of this run. I actually think this mission statement sets you up to believe that, like, yeah, I probably don't need any more of this. At least that's how I feel. Um, whereas the actually, I think the opposite might be true. They kind of maybe figure it out as they go. Uh, but these three issues don't necessarily convey that. I do like the moment here of so Thor wakes up in Jake Olson's dead body and. He's in a, an apartment with his fiance or whatever, right? And Thor's like, what? Who's this? Who are you? But then rather than just be like, listen, I'm Thor. I'm trapped in this body. He just plays along <laughs> with the whole thing to the point to the yeah. point of the fiance being like, you have to go pick up, what is it, her daughter or something? And Thor's like, okay, I'll, I'll go do that. And just starts driving. <laughs> like, he has no I'll idea. Find her. I'll find her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like who these people are, where this school might be. Like it's that's hilarious to me that he just like plays along with the whole deal instead of being like, "Hey, this is weird, and you're not going to believe this." But I don't you know. You shouldn't trust your daughter to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's a funny moment. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, uh, the destroyer is always. Um, a good villain, but you know. I mean, I just I, mostly I was into seeing Ramita draw different like Thor characters like seeing him draw Hela was, yeah. was sick uh his Hela's really cool yeah seeing him draw the destroyer was fun like that that's kind of the level I enjoyed this at but beyond that I could not really find a way to get interested in this story I I like him drawing Thor like kind of all sketchy like when he's basically a ghost in Helheim after having died and he's you see that he hasn't been fully inked yet you see the the sketchy lines and all that's that's some fun comic stuff to me to to portray a ghostly character as not having been fully drawn mm. on the page yet that's some fun stuff and it works well I think with Romita's very straight straight lined uh, art style um, but yeah overall meh kind of yeah. I don't love his Asgard also, although like Asgard has been destroyed so there's not <laughs> much stuff to do yeah. with that Okay, I, um, we, we gotta move on yeah. uh, for time's sake but also I don't have that much more to say about Thor or Fantastic Four uh, yeah, Fantastic Four, we don't have to say a heck of a lot about other than... 
It looks so, really nice. It looks really nice. The creative team here is Scott Lobdell. We got Alan Davis pencils. We got Mark Farmer inks. Like we said, we got liquid on colors. Um, you know, I talked about how hot Kurt Busiak is at this point. Scott Lobdell is another good example. Not Eisner winning, but just like when Marvel's like, you know, hey, who's our biggest writer? Who's going to take over Fantastic Four? It's Scott Lobdell <laughs> because of all the X-Men consistency and success. These three issues, you know, one thing that they make clear and that we haven't totally touched on is like with the exception of Avengers, every book is kind of trying to actually create new threats, you know, like, like none of these books use the known villains, you know, there might be hints and there might be cameos and references, but they all are actually trying to kind of create something new, which I appreciate in a vacuum. I just think virtually everything created here is it's hard to know how much of it is. I know it's not going to be anything versus it doesn't feel like anything. Um, well, I mean, come on. You, you see the ruined showed up here, which <laughs> look, I like these designs, especially that guy with the big old head named stem. That's super <laughs> mutate ripoff though. But, like that's, that's X-Men. Yeah, mutate but rip-off. also you can and look they at, feel like one well, of yeah, designs. You look at them like, and you're like, well, yeah. you're not sticking around. <laughs> this is the only time I'm going to see you. Uh, is- yeah, it's like it's like clandestine. It's definitely not the type of characters that they would adapt into the MCU or anything like that. <laughs> I guarantee, yeah, yeah, right. I guarantee, we <laughs> well, see the ruined in season two of Miss Marvel. But they'll just they'll be completely unrecognizable from this version. They'll just be some like good looking. <laughs> and they'll be yeah. totally changed. And they'll somehow be their fam- yeah, yeah, family. Yeah, new family, <laughs> new fam. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah, that that doesn't work. Okay, so I, I, let me let me go with the positives then. Um, I think Lobdell, he his best moves here are. Uh, letting Alan Davis draw Ben Grimm in a 100% beef grilling uh, cooking oh attire. God, really funny. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Love those panels. Uh, Reed and Sue playing disguise in an airport by Sue making her hair invisible and wearing a bra and short shorts. And Reed morphing his face into like a weird, like Morlocky, like <laughs> bearded guy. Um, that's fun. That's fun that they can like go on spy missions and literally change what they look like. That's wild. I feel like that doesn't get utilized enough. And the third thing that I liked about this Fantastic Four series is at one point, everyone like Johnny, Sue, and Ben all think Reed did something, or they think he's um uh, cutting open this new being that they met. And Reed laughs at them in the most nerdy scientific way possible. And I don't have it in front of me, but basically he like cracks up that they mistook an autopsy for insert super nerdy reference here it was a good read moment good read moment there are my, those are my three positives about about fantastic four which all have nothing to do with the story right yep. that's the like i mean that's the big problem with these is like, yeah i mean they're all so stuck in the 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 past of like just doing stories of a type we've seen over and over again they're all referencing kirby you know they're all like back in that era although like i mean some of the kirby reference is fun right with um Oh, ben, Benjamin on his skis in the, right, on yeah, the Kirby exactly. machine that's to open his, this? That, that's splash good. page is so Kirby, right? Yeah, that's good. And then uh, when he goes, where, where do they go that he's getting hit? They're in Paris, right? And he's uh, like, ben, Ben's having like yep. uh, lettuce and tomatoes tossed at him on Rue de Yancey. <laughs> A bunch of little French kids <laughs> yelling at him. I thought that was funny. Oh, they run into Tintin? Excuse me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? I, I, I remember that so you and I could... <laughs> charlotte geek out about this uh very strange yeah i I want to see like that version of the issue where tintin is the central character yeah what was that about it wasn't even featuring the fantastic entire page of conversation with tintin uh even he's like yeah i'm a belgian reporter yeah (laughs) that's when they're in their super weird disguises right uh yeah i think so yeah oh maybe yeah gosh sue sue just wants to live (laughs) that's make for an interesting issue of tintin power to her um yeah, no, the Tintin stuff's weird. Uh, you know, okay, so in terms of, like, where this stuff's going, Scott Labdell's going to be off Fantastic Four by issue five, and uh, Chris Claremont's going to take over. So Ooh, that's actually okay. kind of interesting. Ooh, um, so that, like, yeah. so that yeah. this creative partnership does not last at all. Uh, Wade and Garney will stay on cap for a decent bit, but then Wade gets mad at editorial and leaves. Um, so that one's not going to last as long. But then Busiak Perez are going to be on Avengers basically until 2004. So they're on the book forever. Um, uh, Busiak Channer on Iron Man for a long time. 2004. And, or no, that's not quite right. <laughs> that, that's not quite right, but uh, maybe it's 2002, actually. But um, but regardless, it's wild. It's like 60-plus issue run. And then what's our other one? Thor, Jurgens, and Romita will, will be on yeah. the book for a while, too. So those those runs will continue. And maybe we'll talk about some of them as we continue. Definitely Avengers, maybe Thor, almost certainly 
none of the others unless I get a hot tip. So I get a hot tip. Um, okay. <laughs> from anyone. So, all right. So that does it. What, what do we got? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to compare this to, we brought up the crisis on Infinite Earths. Like, what makes this so bland compared to John Byrne's Superman, uh, George Perez's Wonder Woman, and Frank Miller's Batman, like, relaunching them? Mm. I mean, is it, it, because I think about those, and I'm like, Wonder Woman and Superman, it's not like they're, I mean, they're just doing origins again, but, like, what what is the, like, the, the appeal there? Because I think all those work great. All three of those are excellent. Where this is, like, n- none of this really works. Is it just because those are, like, origins that are retold and kind of revamped for, like, modern formal storytelling choices? Or, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's kind of an interesting comparison to see, like, why that works and this doesn't. I mean, I think with <clears throat> Crisis, you know, I, I wouldn't have compared the two, but it is interesting. I mean, Crisis is such a reset and such an explosive thing for DC where all those creators do get to go into those books and be like, I get to reshape this whole cloth. You know, it's it's more akin to the Ultimate Universe, right? Or the New 52 mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of like, yeah. I actually get to do this whole thing. I, I have to think that that's probably a mentality and attitude thing. Like just as a creative, you approach the book differently, you know? Because like Busiak, obviously on Avengers, he's not telling us, he's not recreating what an Avengers team can be. And he can do that. I've seen him do it in Astro City. He's playing wikipedia marvel encyclopedia reference check with all his faves throughout history right so like the continuity of it continuing i guess is such a big part of it i mean part of it too is just like you have 1986 frank miller george perez john byrne you know i mean part of it too is just like yeah you hit (laughs) you hit on those creators at the right time um i i don't think here i think artistically we think some of that's happening but in terms of the writers, like it's not, it's none of their best work, with the exception of Busiak. I know a lot of people love Avengers, but it's you know I think Astro City. This way is his Marvels best is work. Way better. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like. This is fine. It's kind of fun. It's it's above average. It's probably like, his his most beloved superhero thing. I will that's, say that's not. You got to read more. You got to read more of it. I mean, I feel like Marvels. Oh, Marvels. Yeah, I mean, Marvels. Like, wouldn't Marvels yeah, be I will his? Read more. I, Marvels, I in continuity. Superhero thing, I guess. Marvel's always about, feels like oh, okay. it's yeah. Astro City. Prestigious. I mean, thing. that also, right? But you're just talking like big two stuff. Yeah, I said Astro City. No, that's clearly better. I, oh, I like okay. Astro City okay. a lot more. Um, okay. I'm, yeah, big two stuff okay. just runs on big two stuff. I think this this with Perez on Avengers is probably his most beloved thing. I, I think that's probably mm-hmm. true. Interesting. Yeah, because th- this is good. Like, I, I but I've been seeing that people are excited for this, <clears throat> and then I. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I read it and was like, oh, this was this was good. It looks really good. <laughs> like, yeah, it looks great and reads OK. Sort of like our podcast. It looks yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds OK. Because <laughs> <laughs> just close your eyes and imagine how how hot all three of us are. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's the way to uh, to really <laughs> pump up your experience here. There you go. Pump up the <laughs> volume. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been 1998 Part 1, Heroes Return. Next time on part two we're going to get into more of sort of the ongoing saga of the marvel universe it's not just going to be the return we're going to talk about amazing spider-man going to do some weird uh carnage stuff which might turn you off but i promise you it's fun um and uh, i don't know probably some other comics too like i just i have to imagine there will be other comics on the list that i don't have in front of me oh we're gonna talk about spider girl that'll be fun uh we're gonna talk about a big hulk thing and now we're going to do some more Deadpool. Zach and Charlotte, get excited. Uh, not nearly as many issues. Not nearly <laughs> as many issues, I promise. Yeah. Um, Deadpool <laughs> yeah, and I Death Annual. Four issues. That'll be kind of interesting. Right? And then, yeah. let's see, episode three, we're going to have a special guest, an actual special guest, talk about some weird comics that came out this year. <laughs> and then episode four, we're going to do the Marvel Knights thing. Compared okay. to the mundane guest we normally have. <laughs> Part four, we're going to do the actual Marvel Knights. And then we're off to the races. Off to the races baby with big old modern marvel comics so again you can find all the the comics in the show notes you can find patreon.com slash my marvel this year uh you can follow us on social i'm dave at comic book herald you can follow my marvel this year at my marvel this year um what else what else should people know anything i think that's it join us at patreon oh yeah please money (laughs) oh my gosh so crass (laughs) so crass your please I pretend Should hello I... new listeners oh uh g- give a just uh support your faves not with money just with 
your credit card information on Patreon? Should I obscure it? Should I lie to people? I think it? you should support your faves. Honestly, you could support your faves just with a just a comment. A comment would do. Just a positive comment, but post it onto iTunes, like rate and review. You know, oh, that too. Yeah, yeah. We just we got a really funny one on my ultimate year lately. That was like, who wants to hear people talk about progressive ideas on '90s comics? No one. Two stars. Which thank you for at least giving us two stars. But also, my the ultimate <laughs> comics are in the 2000s. Just to, <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. Just like leave a comment unrelated to the podcast <laughs> about <laughs> about something. We get a you're surprising thinking. amount of those because you have three podcasts, so we clearly get some that are just meant for other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> often enough. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Just mix up two reviews, one for My Marvelous Year and one for another podcast you love, but give us the review for that podcast and give that podcast the review for, for My Marvelous Year to confuse Yeah, us I'd, li- I'd like at least one review. And, and let's have a game where we try to, to find what the original podcast was. <laughs> right. I'd like at least one review for Two Dope Queens. Um, I'd like one for, what is it? Call, Call Me Daddy. Call Me Daddy, sure. our yeah. rival. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one for Cerebrocast. We'll take one from Cerebrocast. He's he's doing. Fine. Yeah, we, we can take one of his reviews. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Doesn't need those. We'll we'll take that one. Um, that one's more topically related as well. Although I will say, all of our episodes are seven thousand percent shorter, so the comment might not quite align with anything <laughs> that we're doing here on my marvelous year. Um, but clearly we're done. Clearly that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, join us again next time on 1998 Part Two, and we'll see you next year. See you, see you next, next year. year.